sometimes our strengths overplayed become our weaknesses. If you think of the strengths you have through your personality preferences or the, the skills you've, you've developed over time, those can also lead to some of our greatest weaknesses. Welcome to the Faculty Factory Podcast. I'm Kim Skorupski. Happy New Year, everyone. I hope you all survived 2020, a year we'll never forget, or maybe we will forget if we're lucky. I wanted to just give a brief little episode today to kick off a new series this year that I'm calling the Triple H, or H3, Habits and Hacks from Hopkins. So many times we get, uh, you know, faculty and each of us get together and we're always curious about how so-and-so is so successful, or what is the key to their success, or what are the factors associated with this person's success, or getting grants and getting papers and building a great clinical practice. You know, we're all always curious what people do to meander and make their way through their life or with their family or their health or their fitness goals. I've been thinking for a while about habits. And when I say a while, I mean a while, like years now. And it all started with the idea about good habits is started with WAGs, writing accountability groups, that uh, my dear friend and colleague, Dr. Karma Fouché, back in Chicago, she's now at the University of Illinois at Chicago, when she came to me as a mentee in the research mentoring program at Rush University Medical Center, and was curious about building good writing habits. And so she sought off to look in the literature and see how one practices or establishes good writing routines and habits and came across Paul Sylvia's work, How to Write a Lot, and other literature. And so together we worked out this uh, concept of WAGs and regular writing groups. They're just basically regular writing groups with, with colleagues that you get together and commit to writing and thereby you're getting into a practice of writing. So, you know, fast forward, I moved to Hopkins and uh, labeled them as WAGs and got off on the whole hundreds and hundreds of WAGs later and a paper and a book and videos and all that stuff you could see on wagyourwork.com. But it's been a great tool to help people get into a habit of writing. That kind of started me thinking about habits and good habits and trying to think about my own habits. And that's that's why I thought the podcast might go into a, a direction this year. Well, the first year we started off looking, we talked to each other in our AAMC group on faculty affairs community, dean talking to deans and figuring out how we ran our offices and how we did faculty development and faculty affairs in our own institutions and trying to build a community of sharing best practices and tools for how we worked with our faculty and our institutions. That was pretty much year one. Year two was the year of the snippets, these short, easily digestible little um, segments of knowledge and little wisdom that we and faculty members would share with other faculty members. So Hopefully you've been listening to those this past year, 10, 20, 40 minutes long, meant to be uh, just on the fly while you're walking the dog or running in between seeing patients, you could pick up some little um, nuggets here and there. And so that's um, where we are today, now kicking off year three, where I invited graduates of our leadership programs here at Hopkins and they're mostly mid, I'd say mid-career, late late junior to mid-career faculty members who have already recorded a couple dozen of their own 
habits and hacks. You know, I asked in an email, can you, would you be willing to share any of your healthy career habits or any practices or genius ideas you have or efficiencies, efficient routines that you may employ? And so I, you know, asked people to think about that as I've been thinking about my own. So that's, that's where we are today. And it's just always curious to me to how we do things that we do, not only the maladaptive coping habits that we have. So if you'd ask anybody who knows me, what's, I have certainly have lots of bad habits that include sarcasm, criti- you know, being critical and very Im- impatient. And I guess if you talk to our psychologist friends, and I'm not one, they would say, you know, sometimes our strengths overplayed become our weaknesses. So again, if you think of um, the strengths you have through your personality preferences or the the skills you've you've de- you've developed over time, those can also lead to some of our greatest weaknesses. So in kicking off this season of the H three habits and hacks, I was thinking, all right, well, Kim, what are what are your own habits? And I, I put them into three categories of the habits of thinking, the habits of doing, and the habits of being. And so my thinking habits, interestingly enough, I learned from Dr. Rachel Salas and Charlene Gamaldo here at Hopkins. They've they're certified in the Clifton Strengths inventory and they're strengths trainers and strengths coaches. And my number one strength is input. And I guess and I never thought about it that way, but that's why I guess it explains why I have so many sticky notes and little little sayings and quotes plastered everywhere and books and articles. I I like input. I like to collect data. I'm always I'm curious about collecting and archiving information. And that's why I think I am really I am good at um, when people have questions, I I can easily find resources and references and I'm really organized because of my input. I'm just, I'm, I am, I'm organized and I attribute most of my organization as well as my productivity bent on my mother, Scarlett. And she was the queen of productivity and organization. So that's kind of comes naturally to me. But in thinking as a high input person, I, I crave input. I crave data. So I think Again, here's the word think, and I'm also an ENTJ, hence the thinking. I always say I'm thinking. I I like to read a lot, and recently, especially during the quarantine and COVID, listening to a lot of podcasts and YouTubes to learn stuff. So I'm always trying to look for stuff, knowledge. And so one of my habits is the thinking is the input. So I, I read a lot, try to learn a lot, and that's just something that's part and parcel of who I am. And I believe it's a strength and it's a good habit for me is to always be thinking and not uh, not relying on, on my stale knowledge and making testing my knowledge. So I think as scientists, that's probably kind of a no-brainer. You're all probably thinking, well, no kidding, of course. Um, but that's a, a habit that I have really um, been throughout my life. But since I've been home a lot, I'm reading a lot more, listening to a lot more podcasts and YouTube. So that I think is a good habit. And wherever, depending on where you are in your season of life, and I'm, I, and I'm totally um, empathetic to the situation of our busy clinicians, busy in the lab, young children, um, you may be rolling your eyes thinking you wish you had uh, 20 minutes to read. So the season of my life is that I, I'm older, beyond middle age or snuggly in middle age. And I, and I don't have any children. So I do have that luxury and the privilege of being able to read and listen and learn. So that's a habit I have in the thinking component. And then under the doing, I am, as I mentioned earlier, thanks to my mom, Scarlett, very organized. 
I know where everything is. I'm, I'm one of those people who has, you know, a place for everything and everything in its place. And I can proudly say I've probably lost three things in my life. And, and one of the things I've lost is underneath the front seat of my car. It's an earring that I, it's not really lost. I guess I just can't reach it because it's underneath that track. And I need someone with little itty bitty fingers to get to it. But I don't lose things. I'm very organized. I, in fact, can't sleep if things are not put in the exact same order where they're supposed to be, where everything is neatly tucked away. My my siblings will tell you that the best way to torture me, I'm the oldest of four, the best way to torture me as a child was to come into my bedroom and move something just an inch or two off kilter. I had um, about five or six stuffed animals on my bed, and each of them had a, a home on my bed, a very particular order. I remember one uh, octopus that was a crocheted octopus, and of course he had his eight arms that were braided, and those eight arms had to be spread out, equidistant. And so uh, any either of my sisters or brother would come in and just scooch something a little bit, and I would be ballistic. That grew, that kind of translated into my adulthood when people would come into my apartment and just move a candlestick, and I'd have to go back into the house as I was walking out the front door and move the candlestick back to where it's supposed to be. So I guess that almost borders on obsessive-compulsive. But in do, the strength of that, again, um, laughing because anything strength overplayed can be a weakness, is I am very organized. And I think because I'm organized, and that's just a, a habit that is probably just ingrained in me is that I'm very, I feel like I'm very productive because I don't waste a lot of time finding something, looking for something, preparing for something. I'm one of those people who, if there is a meeting at two o'clock by 1.45, as much as I can help it, or the night beforehand, I will have prepared for that meeting. So I know I've read up, I've my thoughts in order, I've got my notes written down. Anybody who's in the GFA and the Group on Faculty Affairs, the Research and Scholarship Committee knows that when I send out agendas, I very clear agendas, oftentimes with minutes attached to like the time clock, how long we're going to spend on this segment or that segment. I'm very, very productive because I think I'm so organized. And again, admittedly, I'm far, far, far from perfect because I'm so organized and productive and um, structured. I can become very critical and impatient when I, in my little pea brain, perceive that others aren't as organized or productive as I am. And so that that backfires a lot when I come across as being very uh, abrasive and um, impatient. So that's something I work on uh, a lot. And another thing I under the doing umbrella is good manners. I try to practice good manners it's again, I fail a lot, but um, in my in my writing, in my emails, this is kind of the most obvious way to me. When I first went to Chicago at Rush University Medical Center to work at the Rush Institute for Healthy Aging, Dr. Dennis Evans was the head of the the Rush Institute for Healthy Aging and my mentor, and I uh, really learned a lot from him. And one of the things that I'll never forget from him is he started off every email with "Dear, Dear Kim, Dear Carlos, Dear Martha Claire." Dear Judy, it was, and I noticed that because I thought, oh, isn't that quaint? Up until that point, I'd never worked with anyone who started off emails with dear so-and-so, like a, like a formal letter. And I liked it. And I adopted that. And I, I guess I've never told him that. I should probably call him and tell him that. To this day, after, since, let's see, I think it was 90, oh no, 2003 when I went to Rush. And now we're 2021. For 18 years now, I have been starting off every email with dear so-and-so. 
Now, of course, not in the reply chain. I don't, I'm not so obnoxious that I do start everything off like that. But to me, it adds a sense of not familiarity, but just um, politeness. And I try to, whenever I'm tempted to lash out in my impatient tendencies, as I will read my emails out loud to see how they sound and if, the, if I'm delivering the right tone. And then, of course, I always think, well, if my dean Paul Rothman gets this email, if someone forwards this to him, will I be able to stand proudly in front of him and justify that email or will I be embarrassed and feel ashamed? So two habits around doing are, that have to do with good manners are I start off every email with dear so-and-so and try to, lead, you know, of course, end on a, a nice mannered um, exit, sincerely, thank you, take care, or something like that. But I'm always reflecting on that, how it doesn't take but a second to um, be courteous in my email correspondence. And I, I also try in my meetings to be more in touch with feelings, the feeling side of me, and trying to build relationships with people and take my time to slow down and allow space for people to recognize each other and just to kind of see each other in where they are in their life and celebrate accomplishments and, and babies and manuscripts and grants and papers and and inventions. That, that taking a moment before every meeting is something, another habit I've tried to adopt. So we've talked about thinking, we've talked about doing, and now being. And I know my habits around being have to do with, I want to be seen as someone who is kind. So the irony is that when I am am called out on being uh, sarcastic and impatient and abrasive and a little bulldozering, it's it's very hurtful because I I can hear it in my voice and I can see it sometimes in in the responses. So I, I want to be the person who is kind and so that's hopefully where I'm getting I'm getting getting closer to being uh, consistently kind and I fail a lot but that mindfulness I'm trying to engage in habits that will um, make me be the kind of person that people see as being kind and and good and selfless. I'm also a habit I try to engage in is healthy and I hear that a lot from a lot of us in academia we all Many of us share of a concern with and um, healthy habits. So I'm definitely a fitness buff. I love exercising. It's my favorite part of the day. I look forward to it. I, I love taking classes at the gym so I can basically turn my mind off and have someone telling me what to do and where to march around and how many burpees and squats and what not to do and I just love zoning out and just working my body and sweating and feeling that muscle fatigue. It feels really good to me. It it increases my I don't know my my, my mood's better. The adrenaline gets going. I have all that great um, those great endorphins surging. It feels really good. Anybody who also knows me will tell you another habit I have is drinking a ton of water. I I drink water all day long, probably a couple gallons a day. I'm never without uh, my container of water all night. I go to bed with a big container of water on my nightstand, and I drink that two, three times during the night when I wake up. I think that's a good habit, and that's an easy one, at least easy for me because I actually love water, and I'm always thirsty. So working out, being fit, drinking water, that's another habit. And it's not just so, I think, peripheral to our our wellness, because I think when I am working out and healthy and eating the kind of food that I want to eat versus eating 
when I'm starving and ravenous, uh, that helps me at work because then I'm not cranky and I'm productive and I'm more organized. My brain is working better when I am fit and drinking my water and exercising and feeling good uh, about my, feeling my muscles work. So that it all works together as we all as we all know these things are not um, separated. So our our work life balance, physical health, mental health, all, all work together. So those are some of the habits that I that I have um, embraced and I, I try to practice daily. And I hope you will enjoy this the season of H3, the Triple H Habits and Hacks from Hopkins. I've learned already so much from our faculty here, and I'm sure you're going to appreciate the same way. And I, if you're interested in recording your own habits or hacks or being on the podcast, we're going to open it up to the rest of the community. So Start thinking about your own habits and um, well, how you might contribute to the podcast and then shoot me an email or go on the website and uh, drop me a line and we'll schedule your episode as well. And for those of you who you know are maybe intimidated by a podcast, all you're doing is phone giving me a phone call and we record it. It's not live or nothing scary about it. Uh, so think about it. I hope to hear from you soon. And you can call you can email me at kskorupski at jh.edu. I'll spell that for you. It's K Skarupski, K-S-K-A-R-U-P-S-K-I at jh.edu. That stands for johnshopkins.edu. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. The mission of the Faculty Factory is to build and support a community of leaders in faculty development who share tools, resources, wisdom, and encouragement in service to our faculty members, schools, and institutions. We encourage you to go to facultyfactory.org to find out more, get in touch with me, ask me any questions. Maybe you want to be interviewed on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. We'll see you next time. The Faculty Factory Podcast and website is sponsored by the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine Office of Faculty. For more information, visit facultyfactory.org.